What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. All right, everyone. Put the champagne back in the cooler. It is not time to celebrate just yet. I might have gotten ahead of myself. I did not think we'd be having this discussion today. But here we are. Um, RSL got the best of us. Brandon, why don't we get your thoughts on Houston Dynamo's 1-1 draw? Uh, which ended up in a loss after PKs with this new MLS layout for the playoffs, for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, But just give us your thoughts on that match. Frustrating, I think, is one of the best ways of putting it. I mean, to get a quick one nothing goal on a penalty, that on a put-back goal, it was heavily influenced by the referee. What I mean by that is it just seemed like he was consistently blowing his whistle. And then nobody really showed up. I mean, there's not like really one big player that we can say like, oh, if it wasn't for him, we would have been blown out or whatever it was. It just was very frustrating. It felt like all RSL wanted to do was just like muck up our performance. And they did that. And I, I, it was a boring game. If you weren't like a Dynamo fan or an MLS fan, I could see people like really being checked out, but frustrating, man, I think is the word that I keep coming over with. It's just, it was just so disheartening to blow that. Yeah, so I took some notes while the match was, was going on, and one thing that I did note, notate was that it felt like the most eventful, uneventful game. Yeah. And what I mean by that was like there was a bunch of like there was a bunch of silly things happening on the field, but nothing of it really mattered as far as goals, as far as making progress. RSL had a game plan coming in, and I felt it was just punch Houston in the mouth, not even like be sly about it. Just punch him in the mouth, be aggressive. That first half especially was nasty from Salt Lake. There wasn't any any flair to it. There wasn't anything fancy. They just came out aggressive, like not even trying to hide it. They were very aggressive. Like you said, the ref dictated a lot of the way that match went. He could have put a stop to all that early, and he did yes. it. So they come out aggressive, and it just it was a nasty, boring first half. I will say, though, we get that PK um, from Escobar. Um, and when I saw Bossy take the PK, that made me nervous. I'm not used to him missing. And I was hoping that we wouldn't have to go to PKs because the way he took that PK, the way he missed it. And thank God, again, that we, we mentioned on the text thread, that rebounding from Salt Lake was atrocious. I don't yes. think I've ever seen worst rebounding on a PK. Like if you look at the replay on, on Apple's broadcast, it was just guy standing around. Um, I forget number four side note. RSL has the most punchable looking players <laughs> in all of MLS. So many of them just had punchable faces. Number four, especially um, I refuse to say his name. I don't want to give him that clout, but number four, just there hands on his hips. It was atrocious defending and bossy got the rebound with, with, no struggle at all. No. So aside from that, um, it, it was just a boring first half. Um, anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. So with the penalty, like in, in kind of, I'm going to first kind of hark on the referee and then I'll, I'll get off that kind of soapbox and, and talk more about play, but he was insanely inconsistent. I've never seen a referee do a play on when it was an automatic penalty in the box, especially when it was like a play on where it wasn't like a wide open attempt where somebody could just easily put it in, but he waited for play to be dictated and then called it back to the spot. It's like, no man, if it's a penalty in the box, you point immediately to the spot and let it go. He just had so many calls. And even with his yellow cards, there was a total of eight total yellow cards, five for us, three for them. 
and they were insanely inconsistent. Some of them, it was just like a little bit of a touch out came the yellow. And then uh, when a humongous, like, uh, I think it was Vera who was already on a yellow and then elbows Keone's in the face. Like that should have been in a second yellow red card. And we would have had a man up with at least like 15 minutes to go, but Nope, just kept that in his pocket. There was a total of 35 fouls, 21 against RSL, 14 against us. But like I said, it didn't seem to have any type of consistency except for the referee wanting for everybody to know, like, I'm in this match and I'm going to blow the hell out of this whistle. And he did. I felt like he was the man of the match in all the wrong ways. He made his presence felt more than any individual player. It was so insanely frustrating. Yeah, it's very easy to look at the ref um, being the reason we didn't come out with a win. It was very frustrating, very inconsistent. I will say... Uh, side note, the ref looked a lot like my dad, so I felt bad uh, <laughs> hating on him, you know? So it's just like, missy like pop. Papa. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you know, in terms of like also looking on the other side, like we dominated that first game in possession 71 to 29%. RSL actually dominated the ball in this game, 54% to our 46 uh, we had more shots on goal, five to three. They had more shot attempts. They doubled our shot attempts, 14 to seven. And then they even had more corners, seven to four. So everything that we usually dominate in terms of statistical categories, they beat us in all of it. And it just didn't seem like, seem like we got that one goal. We wanted to park the bus, but we didn't know how. Like it was, it was just an ugly game. It wasn't really us. I think, I don't think that was the issue that we didn't know how. I think we had a very big liability there in the midfield. Yeah. Um, now you brought up his play last week before this was even a thing. Um, and I think he had, he finally had his big whiff. And I said that Coco gets a lot of slack because of Panama Coco. That was inexcusable. If that was any other player from years past that had been in the middle for, midfield for us, we'd be going for his head right now. Yep. He had an atrocious game offense and defense defense did terribly he was the reason they got that pk that ended up being that tying goal and even on offense it was just turnover after turnover for him and it just felt like we we were never able to just be in control whenever he had the ball and you could see uh excuse me areta being very frustrated with him a few key moments more than anything he kind of let it go during the uh during that uh tackle where they got the pk areta just kind of let it all out um, but he, for me, was the reason we, we lost. Um, now everyone's granted to have that off game. I get it, but you're a DP, you get paid the big bucks, relatively speaking, this is inexcusable. This is when we need you the most. This is when the guys look up to you. This is when the bossy looks up to you. This is when, uh, Baird, Dorsey, those guys look up to the Cocos, to the Reras, and he just, he let us down. It was, I was just very disappointed in him. I was very disappointed in his play. And I honestly feel if you had to point to somebody, aside from the ref, if you had to point to somebody, it'd be him. One thing I wanted to bring up that I don't think we really ever got, we got to discussing. You and I had both talked about Mastroni being the coach of the Dynamo had plan A gone through. After yesterday's game, um, and we had said we'd be okay with it. I feel like Mastroni outclassed Ben. Look at that second half, the way they came out. He made adjustments. He made changes. I felt like we didn't. We were just on the ropes the whole time, just taking it from from RSL. I Personally, I believe that was a result of Mastroni making tactical changes. They came out with a game plan, and that was to hit us in the mouth. It wasn't working. Yeah, it was getting very frustrating, but we still scored. We were still on top. Second half, they made adjustments. 
it was a completely different ball game. I have not seen us play like that since we've been anointed as this new look dynamo after League's Cup. And that was the first time a team has had us looking like that in a very long time. Is that Mastroni or was that us just getting ahead of ourselves? I, you know, I think credit is due. I think he has made really good changes and has, like you said, hit us in the mouth several times. He got that uh, second goal to tie it 1-1 in the first game. And then in the second half there, made the changes that he needed to win. I also, you know, usually when you've attacked Ben, I've been a little bit more defensive of him being like, ah, you know, I just really trust him. And I do. But this was the first game that I kind of was like, all right, I really see what Cole was trying to point out here because for me, what did it was bringing on Aliyu and then subbing him off for Thor. I get why we did it because Thor's a better PK taker, but either believe in Thor or don't. And like, I, I just thought that move right there was really dumb. And I get you keep Coco on because he's a good PK taker. He did sink his, but Caicedo's also been a good PK taker too. And I thought he deserved to come on especially in that second half for Coco, because he just didn't seem to have it for any, for whatever reason, as you mentioned, tons of turnovers. And he also picked up his second yellow. So if he gets a yellow in game three, he's suspended for the sporting KC game and could be irrelevant. But this was the first time that I felt like Ben got outclassed, especially in his substitutions. Cause it didn't seem like he really has a plan outside of our starting 11. Like he's got this great 11 that works really, really well. But if it doesn't go to plan, then it's kind of just, you know, that shoulder shrug emoji because he doesn't really have somebody to bring off the bench that I think he has confidence in. Yeah, and the one thing that I had been mentioning it weeks past, like now's the time to celebrate. Let's keep this up. Let's celebrate. Because when games like last night happen, it kind of brings me back to my old mindset and how I just, I hate on everything Ben does and everything Pat had done. And so for me, for me, what worries me is that when you ask Edetta Dorsey about our playing style, why we're playing so well, you get the same thing. Oh, he gives us his freedom. He lets us do what we want to do. He gives us his freedom. And I'm like, that's great. That's a great man manager. But is that a good tactical coach? If you don't have someone like Edetta in the midfield dictating everything, the guy's played for Atletico Madrid. He's played in some of the biggest games in Europe. We're not going to be blessed to have and Edetta for the next 10, 15 years. We'll be lucky if we get three really good years from Edetta. But after that, if Ben's at the realm and he doesn't have that next Edetta, I feel like we're in big, big trouble because his his whole – what makes him so great is that he gives the guys a freedom and he's a great – I don't want to call him a motivator because I, I feel like that's kind of devaluing him. But he's good at, at managing personalities. I'll give him that. Mastroni, on the other hand, came out with tactics and he yep. came out with the plan to defend what we were doing. Now I'm really nervous because we came backs against the rope. Is Ben going to make changes when we're at home against what Real Salt Lake did? And if he does make those changes and Mastroni answers them at halftime, is Ben going to have the wherewithal to respond to that? So that's where I kind of get on with Ben. And you reminded me that whole Thor aleu thing like if you're gonna sub in aleu keep him on yep. now you just killed his confidence if he has to hit a pk the guy's confidence is down the gutter the fact that he only got in for five six minutes just to get back out it was very <laughs> if if i had all the confidence in ben i we wouldn't be having this discussion be like okay he knows what he's doing but the fact that i'm not very confident in ben and that's what he does gets me kind of nervous for round three 
I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this point, just because, like I mentioned, you know, it, it's our starting 11 is bread and butter, but I hated the moves that he's been making, especially when you could see Coco in that game was the problem. And it made our tour kind of have to disappear because he was having to revert back so much on the turnovers. It made Bossy being able to do the, his little tiki-taki passing in the middle there. That disappeared. Keone's has been kind of neutered this entire game. It seems like, again, Masteroni's done a great job of corralling his speed. I mean, there was a couple of times you could see he tried to turn it on in the box, but just couldn't. And that is... That is something where a lot of goals have come from. Even Dorsey hasn't really been able to produce that ton of magic, except for that one late goal that we had where it kind of just seemed where he he took over in game one and was like, nope, forget this. I'm getting into the box and getting an attempt. Baird has been a ghost. Like it, it just seems what has got us here has not been able to happen. And you cannot really say it's been because of the great play of RSL. I'm going to go with exactly what you're pointing out here. I think Masseroni's created a game plan where he knows how we butter our bread and has just thrown mud all into it. And it's made us look slow and it made our passing just seem very mediocre at best. So I, I don't know. I I'm with you. Something has to change. I just don't know what that answer is, but for me, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think you can bring on Aliyu in game three just because his confidence seems shot. And on top of that, he really hasn't produced much. It, it seems like when he does score a goal, we're already up 3-1 and he makes it 4-1, you know? And it's it's kind of like, that was nice. It's good to see you build your confidence, but it's not something we desperately need. I, I think you got to roll the dice with Thor. He looked great coming on and, and he was somebody that when he drilled his PK, he did it with confidence, like, I was much more happy to see him come on and get those simple minutes. But if we're going to do that, we, we got to do something here because either Baird's got to start getting some shots on goal or we have to figure out a complete new way to really open up Keone's. Otherwise, game three is is going to be kind of more like very nerve wracking. <laughs> I love that Thor came on to hit his PK and he just looked like he wears those really baggy shorts. I don't know if you've noticed he wears those long baggy shorts. And he I just made looked that same like comment. I was like, dude, he's wearing yeah. some huge shorts. <laughs> he looked like the he 2003 just... NBA draft. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought he just got out of an one mixtape. He like the it, cracked, thing. it cracked me up because you know, like he was he had that uh that reputation of being a little uh what's I'm sure there's a better term for it, but just like kind of a dick at Duke. Yeah. And um just he just looked like, you know, he didn't care. Like, put me in the damn game with my baggy shorts. I'm going to show y'all what y'all have been missing out on. And the fact that he just put that in, I was really happy for him. I liked the kid. I was I was hoping he would he would do something with us. But um, so just a brief summary. As we said, a boring first half. We scored off of a rebounded PK from Amin Bassi, rebounded his own uh, blocked shot. We go to the second half. Pablaroni, Pablo Mastroni made some adjustments. And then from there... We had a uh, RSL had possession of the ball. We're again on on the ropes defending ourselves. Coco makes a silly uh, a silly tackle outside of the eighteen in the semicircle there. And um, was it Arango that made that shot? No, no, it wasn't Arango. It was Severino. Uh, Severino that makes the shot. Yeah, so they absolute blast. They make the PK. How do you feel about the way um, about the way Clark defended, not the way that he defended it, but I was a little concerned with the way he positioned the wall. And I saw that there was a little gap there and I was like, you must be pretty confident in yourself. And then it goes in. He perfectly hits that. Yeah. What, what were I, your thoughts on that? 
So looking at Steve Clark, like even though he's had, I think what, like 13 clean sheets this season for, for second best, his save percentage is pretty low. It's, it's at 69% save percentage to flip it on the other side. Uh, McMath, the goalie for RSL, he's at 71 and most of the averages for all the goalkeepers are in the 70 range. So like, to me, I think it says more about how good our defense and midfield is for all those clean sheets, more so than Clark. Don't get me wrong. Steve Clark is awesome. He's made some great plays, but I think he also costs you some goals too. And I'm with you. I thought the same thing as he was setting up the wall. All I thought was like, he must have seen a lot of tape where Severino's gone like top right because he was really playing towards that. And credit to Severino, man. I mean, that was an absolute banger. That was just, you couldn't have placed it any better. I mean, even if Steve guessed right, which he did, he wasn't going to get a hand to that. But he's even starting to be a little bit of a concern for me, and and especially in PKs. I mean, he made a couple of dives, give it up to RSL. A lot of their PKs were just perfectly placed. I mean, you could have had two goalies in there and they weren't making those saves. So, like, I'm not hating on him too much. But I am a little bit concerned about how he is shaping his walls whenever there is a free kick because it seems like he does leave himself a huge agility gap. And I mean, what, he's 37 years old? I don't think he has that same kind of uh, Puma Cat expression that he diving abilities as he once did as a younger man. So maybe it's catching up to him. But I, I noticed that same thing. It seemed like I, I just thought maybe he had a little bit of a an edge on something. But no, he got burned bad. Yeah, and, and I don't uh, I don't want to fault Clark at all. I don't think he had a bad game, and even in the PKs, I thought he did well enough. He guessed yeah. them correctly. Um, I, it was just that one thing, and that's the thing with goalies, right? You could have the most perfect game, but that one that one mishap, they score, and then everyone hates you. Yep. And again, he he did. I was just really confused with the way he he positioned that wall. Um, I didn't know if he saw something, maybe something in film. I know a lot of times goalkeepers. I mean, they have stats. I was watching um, Ben Foster's podcast, and he was saying that he keeps on his water bottle. He has a little cheat sheet on which yeah. way every single kicker likes to kick, which side they like to kick, what's favorable to them. So I know there's a method to the madness. I just didn't know that specific scenario, the way that he positioned the box, if that was um, something he did with intent. But as we said, um, the game got very chippy. Um uh, you had briefly mentioned it, the hands to the face against Quinones from number four card or no card in your book. I, that, that was a card any other day of the week. I think the, I think the referee knew that Verda was already on a, a yellow and didn't want to, for some reason, alter it by handing out a second yellow and a red, which was that what's funny is the tackle itself wasn't that bad. It was the follow through where he officially checks him in the face where it's like that gets called every single time. Why aren't you busting it out now? Yeah. I was I was livid at that moment. Yeah, it was that extracurricular like it was uncalled for. It wasn't needed. The the and it wasn't the cleanest of tackles, but it was still I could see him not getting a card for that or not even stopping play for that. But the extension to the hands to the face that's a card any day of the week. And like you said, I felt like the ref was more afraid of the repercussions he was going to face had he affected the game. But, I mean, you're not there to worry about what might happen. You're there to yeah. call the game as it happens. And so I don't know how he misses that. With some of the other calls he was making, I don't know how how do you miss that specific call. Um, and I felt like everyone on Twitter pretty much agreed from what I saw. And on top of that, like, I, I even, the Coco foul that led to the free kick goal, like, it was a little bit soft, but I mean, I get making that call. But if that's a foul, 
then somebody getting elbowed to the face is definitely a foul and a color as well. So it, it was just a little bit shocking to see that, especially when he handed out he was quick to go to yellows. Like he gave Steve Clark a yellow for time wasting. He gave Bossy a yellow, Dorsey a yellow, and Svetchenko a yellow, and then Coco as well. That's his second. But like it seemed like we got yellows very quickly. Svetchenko's yellow, that was a legit yellow, man. He took the yeah. hell out of that guy and I loved it. But it, it was I think that was just a frustration foul from him. And but it's no different. If it's malicious, it's a card. And if I was Keone's, I thought he should have been a little bit more livid. I thought the players should have gotten a little bit more up in his face about it because it, that that was a dramatic moment that he, the referee just missed out on. And it, it in the end, it, it could have cost us, who knows, or it would have led to PKs and exactly what we got. But at the very least, Vera would have been suspended for the next match. So, I mean, any any leg up we can get. Which eventually led us to our PKs. Um, so with the new, and I'm sure if you're listening to this, you already know the format, but with the new format, uh, the games don't go into overtime. They go straight to PKs. So uh, first off, how do you feel about that format before we dissect? I guess when we're like in the MLS playoffs, I would rather at least a little bit of extra time, maybe even if it was 10 minutes each for like two halves. But to just go straight to PKs makes it better for like Leagues Cup or US Open Cup. That's a, I, I like that more. But I don't know. I, I, a game like this, I would have liked a little bit of extra time. So it, it was just kind of a bummer. But I also get what they're trying to do. And so then, that again, that led to our PKs. How did you feel about the PKs we took? And how did you feel about uh, Real Salt Lake's PKs? Dude, Bossy's was – that was I, – I could have gone and done that. That was really, really bad. Like, it just reeked of no confidence. And then when they were looking to say maybe if the goalie, like, jumped off his line – I only think they thought that because the take was so bad. Like I, it was wretched. Everybody else looked great. I mean, they came up there and smashed it home with confidence. Um, I, again, I, I know we mentioned it. Thor's, he looked really good in it. Him and his baggy shorts just walked up there and he smashed it home. I was fired up about that. RSL had some that were just, I mean, you can't even do that playing video games. They were putting it in top corner. They were so lucky. They didn't catch crossbar or blast one over like, I honestly think if they did that again, nobody's making those like they did. Like they really lucked out and it, it wasn't on Clark. He guessed right a lot of the ways, but even if he got a hand to it, they were just smashed so hard that they, they were going in. Two of those I felt like were savable. Three of those. I don't care who you put him back there. Put Oliver Kahn yeah. back there. They're not, they're <laughs> not saving those. The one thing that <laughs> that last kick, uh, our, our buddy Diego Luna was taking it. I uh, I joked with you guys. He looks so like I know what I want to say. He just looks he doesn't look like the brightest bulb in the lamp and he looks <laughs> like he just has no emotion. Like he's not bright enough to have emotion. So I remember thinking like well they mentioned his age and I was just like, you know, most kids would be nervous in this kind of predicament, but I was like this guy he's not bright enough and I again, I'm sure it's the the tattoos and not the tattoos but the it's the hair uh, the hair with the neck tattoos, like yep. he gives off he gives off this image, and I was just like, yeah, this guy's heartless, he's soulless, this isn't gonna phase him. And sure enough, he just daggers it right above the crossbar. Like you said, any inch further up, it's in it's in the crossbar. So I joked with my uh, lady companion, I was like, Diego Luna's hair looks like the hair you get from like Party City for a Halloween costume, like. It looks like he shows up on the hood of a 1987 like Pontiac Trans Am, just 
or he's like a roadie, like a roadie for like White Snake, like that guy. Just I mean, he looks like from a different time, dude. But I, I, I'm like you, I love him. I mean, that little mini fridge with legs. But yeah, it, you're, you're exactly right. His placement was perfect. Nothing was going to stop that. It, it was, but again, it was frustrating. Yeah, it's either uh, Rhodey from White Snake or the Little Leprechaun movie from back in the day, like the early oh, yeah. late nineties, uh, like Leprechaun in the Hood and stuff. Leprechaun like that. in the Hood, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leprechaun in Salt Lake City. I mean, dude, that's a, that's a hundred percent spot on. It was just he's a, from a different time, but which I, I actually, well, well it, I was thinking about this. Better mullet, him or Clark? Oh man, Clark is starting to look more like he's like going Australian, like like he's just going to throw on some khakis and dive on crocodiles. But I I think with Diego Luna's head, it's just so big that like it just it makes you laugh because you're right. It looks yeah. like the hardest thing he has to do is read. <laughs> I think they call him uh, what do they call him? Bogans? I think out there in Australia, like those like really yeah. <laughs> like you know Bogan. He's yeah. The thing is, is like if I see Clark writing down Montrose or like uh, or the Heights. I'd be like, oh, okay, he's a hip dude. Like, yep. If I see Diego Luna, on the other hand, I'm walking the other way. So, <laughs> I was expecting him to like take scissors and cut off the sleeves of his jersey, you know, and just be like walking out there, like just a jean jacket on underneath or something. Like, it's just it's so funny, man. He cracks me up. He's not your stereotypical looking soccer player by any means. Joe Dierte. Uh, alrighty. <laughs> so then that led to our game three back at the shell. We're playing another playoff. We were playing another playoff game. Had we won because Kansas City won their matchup against St. Louis. But now we have an extra game at the show. So with that being said, we will be playing this Saturday, 5 o'clock, I want to say. Yeah, I forgot the time. I need to look it's again. It's either 3 or 5. The last I saw was 5. Um, so be there. Be early. It's a Saturday, folks. I know the last game was kind of hard. It was a Sunday, but it's Saturday now, so we can party when we advance to the next round of the playoffs right after at Pitch, at 8th Wonder, wherever you like to have yep. your after-game drinks. So let's make it an event. Let's make it a great time, and we need to be there. We need to be that that 12th man, so to speak, uh, for the Houston Dynamo. Um, again, you know, it, it's easy to be upset because of what happened uh, yesterday, but – They've given us a lot to be excited about. They've given us a lot to be happy about. So I just urge all of you Houstonians um, or just Dynamo fans anywhere, just come out, come out to the shell, be loud, be early, and uh, let's let's really take advantage of that home field advantage. So anything else you want to add on before we switch segments, Brandon? No, that all I know for the match is it's going to be like mid-80s, so not Salt Lake weather by any case, and it also could be a little bit rainy. So I think both of those could play into our into our hands there. So like you said, just show up, bring a poncho, and let's rock. Nice. Uh, so Brandon, <laughs> why don't you just give us a quick uh, update on what's happening around the league and the playoff picture? Yeah, so looking back at all the other games here, we'll uh, we'll first start with after us. It was uh, Columbus and Atlanta. Both of that that has been a very interesting matchup because Columbus came in with the most goals scored and Atlanta's second. Now Columbus won two nothing, and believe it or not, Atlanta's only won one game on grass all season. So goes to show how dominant it is like when they play at home and how important it is for them. Columbus two 0 They took advantage of that, showing why they're so stellar, but also not surprising. And then uh, Red Bulls and Cincy, that was, uh, Cincy was leading one nothing in that. Uh, they tied 1-1 at the end of regulation. Then it went to penalties. They won 8-7 in penalties. And that's also where we learned, too, 
that MLS has made the decision that all the penalties will be taken at the supporter section. Because if you didn't know, you could hear the Twitter video when the referee's telling him. He's like, it's already been decided by the MLS. And so I found that pretty funny. But uh, since he dominated the penalties there, winning 8-7, they celebrated hardcore in front of the Red Bull fans. But they move on. And then Dallas-Seattle, that was a devastating one for for. Dynamo fans, but the only good thing is, is now at least both of them have to play an extra game. Dow, uh, Frisco winning three to one. Uh, Dallas scored two goals in the first 18 minutes, and then Jordan Morris in the 48th at least made it interesting. And then finally, O'Brien in the 89th put that game away. It, it wasn't really that close throughout. I mean, yeah, it was 2 1, but Frisco kind of had that in hand. And then the big upset, Kansas City at home uh, was taking on uh, St. Louis. They led majority of the way. They were up 2 nothing, and then Martin's in the 88th. He started to make it close. It was 2-1, and then tons of extra time. They had 12 minutes of extra time, but unfortunately for St. Louis, they did absolutely nothing with it, and Tim Parker was losing his mind during those 12 minutes, screaming at everybody. But Casey had that game in control. They move on, so we will face them next round when we win Saturday. And then finally, Vancouver and LAFC. LAFC had won their home match, and so they were in Vancouver. They won one nothing in a pretty boring match. Uh, Bawanga hit a penalty in the 24th minute, and then I'm sure everybody has seen it on Twitter now. I was freaking out. What the hell was the referee doing at the end of the game there? He literally took out a Vancouver player at like the top of the box. It, it looked like an NFL football hit. That had huge ramifications in the game. I was absolutely shocked about that. Uh, but either way, LAFC now moves on. They'll take on the winner of either Frisco or Seattle. And then finally today, as we record on Tuesday, uh, Atlanta and uh, Columbus just uh, played. Atlanta just dominated 4-2 there in a, at home. So now it will be a game three going back to Columbus. And currently Nashville and Orlando are playing. When we first started, Orlando took a quick one nothing lead. They're up one nothing. So if Orlando can win that, they move on. They're up one nothing. It's currently halftime. Uh, man, that Vancouver game, if I was Vancouver, if that was Houston in that position, I'd like we're already complaining about the refs. Could you imagine <laughs> being in that situation? Like that was just the most frustrating thing. Like just stop dead ball, stop the play. Like the, I forgot who it was, but he had a clear path to kick the ball. That was a decent shot if he could get it off. And yes. Yeah. Ref just Dude, I mean, he was, he was in range to like put something on goal. I've never seen, it looked like the referee sought him out. Like it was just so, I've never seen that. I've never seen a referee just straight up level him. I mean, it's not like both of them fell. It was literally like a safety laying out a wide receiver and standing over him. I was just, I was shocked. I immediately sent it to our group chat of like, what the hell was the ref doing? Dude, he just blew up that player. So, I mean, I'm with you. If that was us, I would be torching the stadium, man. I would have been absolute furious. Kind of looking forward now, you know, a little bit of segment that we've been trying to talk about here is adding in some betting because that is one thing that I've been doing quite heavily in these playoffs and especially throughout the MLS season. I've had a little bit of luck with it and, uh, our friends over at my bookie are listening and they'd like to sponsor these segments. We are definitely happy to do so. So currently uh, this is Tuesday. I looked up the lines for today. Obviously as the week goes on, money will move, but let's start with uh, Wednesday's game, new England and Philly. I primarily like to look at money line. Uh, usually unless like the goal difference is tremendous in this case, money line for new England at home is plus plus one thirty two for Philly plus plus one eighty eight. 
So I like Philly's chances in that. They've already won in New England before. So at plus 188, heck yeah, I'm taking that. And uh, the over two and a half is plus 100, under three and a half goals, minus 160. If I'm betting overs and unders, I'm probably going to take the under or the over two and a half. I think I think Philly wins like three one two one or something like that in that case. So, in terms of if I had to bet one or the other, I would take Philly money line plus one eighty eight and the over. Friday, Seattle and Frisco. Looking at money line there, Seattle is definitely heavily favored at home at minus one forty five. Uh, Frisco on the road plus three eighty. So if you're a real big believer there, that's a huge turnout at plus three eighty. Uh, the over under in that plus two and a half uh, two and a half is plus one hundred. Uh, so that is something I also might look into. I need to see how many goals Seattle scores at home. But uh, again, a lot of goals have been kind of scored there, and especially 3-1 at Frisco, the over two and a half. I kind of like that one. Uh, and then finally, Saturday for us, the only thing out is the money line. We are favored heavily at minus 147, RSL at plus 360. So if um, you're looking there, this might be something that nice to parlay. If you're somebody like me, I tend to like to parlay matches. So I'm looking at parlaying Philly and Seattle money line to win. You get plus 387 odds on that. So that's good money for two heavily favorites at uh, Philly on the road, but Seattle at home. Again, that's plus 387 if you parlay that. But if you're somebody that likes to try lay and you want to put in uh, Philly, Seattle and Houston, that's plus 718. So you can get some fat money on that for betting a little bit of heavily favorites there. So I, for myself, the heavy things that I'm laying money on, uh, and again, I don't, uh, I don't want to take anybody's crap if they lose money, but this is at least where I'm literally putting my mouth where my money's at. I'm going to be parlaying Philly and Seattle at plus 387, and by I'm going to, I already have, and uh, I've bet that. And then I'm also looking at betting the over in Philly and Seattle and parlaying that with the over for Seattle and Dallas. So those will both give you about plus 200 for that. So good money it can be made there. So if you're somebody that looks to bet or just wants to make the MLS playoffs a little bit more interesting for yourself, get the MyBookie app, throw in like a $50 deposit, and you can have uh, – they'll usually match it automatically there too. So they give you some free money to play with. And it just makes the games a little bit more fun. I, I'm not somebody that lays like huge money down on it. I usually just do like $10 a game. But I, I originally started to kind of pat myself on the back. I put $50 deposit in and I made my thing where I was only going to bet $10 for like the games I bet. And I ballooned that 50 into 350. So it worked out a lot for me in this MLS season, just doing simple, small bets. So for those that are looking to like a little bit of cash, maybe roll the dice and see what you can get home. I have a futures bet on Dynamo winning it all um, that the payout is looking, I want to say it's like 3,500. So I'm kind of staying out of it i think the rest of this playoffs just because i'm just fully unless we get eliminated earlier on then i'll probably try to make that money back but uh, folks if you decide to take brandon's advice please feel free to mention us on twitter um, yeah. at underscore the way we ball just give us a shout and let my bookie know that you got your tips from the way we ball podcast we don't want any percentage of your winnings. We just want the shout out so that we can talk to my bookie and be like, Hey, throw us a freaking bone here. So, uh, give us a shout on Instagram or Twitter underscore the way we ball. And just let us know, uh, what did you end up going with parlay futures and just, you know, chop it up with us and, and let us know how that goes for you. 
And especially if you get a bad beat in one of these MLS games. Like, for instance, I got a bad beat in the Dynamo RSL game when they scored that free kick. So, like, that screwed me. But I, I, I know those always sting. I'm here with you on that. And like you mentioned, betting makes it fun. I know everybody likes to do it now these days. And if they uh, if they have something going and they have some good advice too, especially prop bets. I, I'm somebody who usually doesn't do prop bets. But if you're good at it, definitely hit us up on that. And uh, I'll join you in those ventures. <laughs> That actually might be a cool segment. We'll like find a prop bet every other game and just try to see who's down to like throw in on that with us. So uh, like we're getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves here, folks. Uh, Brandon, before we wrap things up, we have a little segment we wanted to introduce. And that's how we'll end, uh, end this week's episode. Yeah, so uh, we're going to do a thing where it's kind of called ball in or ball out. And so if you're ball in, you're for it. Ball out, you're against it. So let's start with the first one here. Ball in or ball out? Starting Seba over Coco. Jamal, I'll let you start. That one, I am balling out. Uh, I know Coco had a terrible game. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It was a terrible game. But I think it's just too crucial of a game um, to make a switch like that. I would sub him in much earlier. I mean, we we didn't even get subbed in. What am I talking about? I would sub him in as early as the second half. But as far as to start the game, I'm, I'm balling out of that idea. So I'm going to go opposite of you. I'm going to be ball in. And the reason why I would like to start Seba over Coco is I think that at least allows us to have a strategy for the second half. If you remember when uh, we played Frisco, you came up for that match. We subbed in uh, Coco and Kiones in the second half, and we looked lightning fast, so much more alive on the ball. I think putting him in second half right now, especially with how he's been kind of playing and a little bit of struggling, I think that gives us a little bit of energy, a bigger boost. So I think I think Coco needs it. I think we need it. And on top of that, I think Seba deserves to start, especially with how good he is at setting up the passes. So if we can get a quick one nothing goal and then bring Coco on later, it adds more pressure. It doesn't force us to park the bus, which I think is a little bit out of our comfort zone. I think we play better when we have like that tiki-taka style going on. So Ball in, man. I'm definitely down for Seba starting and bringing Coco on the second half just because it gives us a better game plan. I feel like that's going to be a controversial take. I might have to clip that and throw it on the uh, TikTok I'm here for it. Just, just to get people talking, get the people going. Uh, what's next? All right. Ball in or ball out? Thor playing over Aliyu. You ball in or ball out on Thor playing over Ali? Oh, man, I'm not just balling. I'm balling in. I'm balling out of control. I'm I'm totally <laughs> in for that, man. Aleu has not done anything that'll make me warrant fighting for him to play some more. Like he plays and he gets in. And I think we talked about it last time that he subbed in. I think he's just so chaotic out there because of his speed. I think that's all Ben really has going for him. But Thor, we've talked about this before. The guy has cojones. He'll turn around and just shoot it no matter where he's at. He has that like that Diego Luna thing we talked about where he's just like, so I don't want to call him dumb, but so arrogant that he just doesn't have any kind of like, well, I might not, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't be able to do this. The arrogance just fills that kid up and he'll take a shot from anywhere. So I'm ball in. I think we need it. I think we need attitude like that going against a team that's bullying us, literally bullying us on the field. I'll take a little arrogant blonde kid from Duke playing and playing in that game yeah i'm right there with you ball in on thor getting to play i think he's earned it the fact that he 
has been pushed further down this bench and then is finally getting called on in the playoffs and has not made a stir about it. You haven't heard anything in the headlines. He hasn't caused any problems in the locker room. And then he goes in there, scores that PK goal. I think he deserves to play. And not only that, I think he deserves to get more minutes. I know a lot of people don't really love how he's not like somebody that will get back or play officially Ben style, but I'm 100% with you. He's just somebody that pulls the rabbit out of the hat and scores these goals where you're like, oh, Thor, what a strike. Or he can actually head the ball. So if we get these corners, him getting a head on the ball is something that I'm here for. He, Aliu is a, a project. I think he needs more time. I think he can be a good striker. He's still 22, so he's a young guy, so he can develop into something. But I, I think as of right now, if you're going to play Thor in a PK situation, pull him off in playoffs, he, he deserves to get minutes on that pitch then. We talked about this, and maybe you can remind me. Uh, again, no secret, I'm not the biggest Pat guy. I feel like a lot of our more successful signings were after we signed that uh, analytics company. Was Aleu a signing after Post or pre-analytic uh, company? I'm almost 100% sure it was after we got the analytics because we got him pretty late. I know we brought him over from Euro um, and then he came on and he looked great to start. Like he was electric, getting getting a lot on the ball there. But then now he's just sputtered. He, he's done the opposite of what Keone's did. Keone's looking a little bit sputtering and then came alive. Aliu came alive and then now is sputtering in my opinion. So like I, I'm almost 100% sure it was after the analytics. Yeah, I, I remember when Aleu first came down, I was really excited because he did everything great but finish. And I remember thinking, yep. well, it's a new league. He just needs to get his feet under him. And that's something that comes along the more you play, right? Yep. Where, like, yeah, you said he, he took that reverse pill and he's kind of – he's sputtering right now. I'm really curious to what those analytics – what story – Aleu's analytics, what story they told to Pat and co uh, for him to to be on this, on this squad. Because, again, he's a menace. He's fast. He's big. Um, but he doesn't do anything great. And I wonder, um, I, I wonder what the thought process was um, as far as the analytics in the layu. I, I'm with you. To me, he's kind of like a young Corey Baird. He's somebody that hustles and gets back and has nice runs, but his finishing is what makes him from elite or really good in the MLS. Like I would give the nod up to Corey in terms of being a better finisher than Aliu at this point. But I, I think Aliu's future might just be looking at Corey Baird this season, and it's like, that's kind of what you can be. I, I would be shocked if he really, really became this dominant MLS striker. I, I don't think he's going back overseas anytime soon. So I, I think this is kind of what he is. Agreed. What do we have next? All right, ball in, ball out. Subbing out Steve Clark for PKs. <sighs> Uh, I, I saw he got a lot of crap on Twitter uh, from some yeah. people, but we talked about it. Three out of those five shots were unstoppable. Put prime con, put prime Buffon there. <laughs> it's very difficult to stop those shots. So I'm going to say he didn't do anything for me to get subbed out during the PK. I mean, Tarbell, you know, performed during leagues cup, but, uh, or open cup, excuse me, but uh I'm okay. I'm ball out with subbing out um, Clark during the PKs. So I'm going to go shocker here and I'm going to say ball in. And the only reason why I will say this is because I'm with you. I think Tarbell was awesome at, at PKs in the league's cup. And just the only reason why I'm okay with it is because Steve Clark's 37 and I don't think it hurts his confidence. I think he's such like a pros pro that he would understand why he's being ruled out because he knows he's better 
keeper for game magic. Like he's better at that quick reaction, pulling that save out where you didn't expect it to come. I don't think he, I think he knows his probably Achilles heel is when it comes to PKs. So if you pull him out and then you put him in the next game, I don't think he sulks. I don't think he has a problem with it. So that is the only reason why I am okay and ball in on pulling Clark out for PKs. When we were going to PKs, I had that in my mind. I was I was thinking maybe we put Tarbell in instead of Clark, but again, he just he didn't do anything that I feel like he deserves to be benched. It was they were just stupid shots, and I don't think those guys have that in their bag. If we were to go again to a PK shot, not not like that, not the way they were hitting it. So um, no, you're right. Like he he didn't do anything wrong. Like I'm not saying like oh my god he was the yeah, problem yeah, yeah, or he should have made you. those saves. I just think that he understands the situation and knows that Tarbell's better at saving PKs, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, a pitcher can go eight innings and get pulled for Mariano Rivera in the ninth, you know? Like, there's a reason why you can have a closer. I think Tarbell could be our quote-unquote closer for PKs, and Clark would be fine with it, and I think we'd be okay with it. I I think just – I don't have as much confidence in him in PKs as as I do in the game time. So I'm I'm, I'm ball in on him being subbed out for that for only that reason. All right, our last one. This got a ton of good traction uh, on our social here. Ball in or ball out on signing Chicharito? So i i put that I put that tweet out um, just trying to gain, you know, just see how people feel about about it. Um, I don't know if I if I led people to believe that I felt one way or another about Chicharito with that with that tweet. I try to be. Um, as nuance about it yeah as new yeah 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 so um with that being said i am i jamal me i am ball out of chicharito coming in he's older we've talked about this before we've built a foundation now where we can just build off of it give me those young players that will be with us for a few more years to come not just a flash in the pan i think the days of dynamo signing high name players just to sell tickets and merch. I think those days are over. We're looking to win and we're looking to build a team that's going to attract people because we're winning, because we're successful, not because of a big name Mexican star. Even at that, I don't think Chicharito is the same Chicharito that L3 fans loved five, 10 years ago. Now, the reason I emphasize that me, Jamal, co-host of the Way We Ball podcast is ball out because let's say offseason comes around and Nedetta goes to Ben and Pat and says, Hey, I want him on the team. Are we saying no to that? <laughs> Do we not want our captain, our, our captain of, of Houston, Acha, Acha town, the names, the city's named after him. Do we not want him having the striker he wants up top playing in this squad? That changes everything for me. If you get a co-sign from Nedetta. Now, I don't know what their relationship is like. I don't watch much L3 at all. I'd be lying to you if I told you I did. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how they did um, this last go round or the last time they played together. So I'm kind of speaking out of my out of my butt here. But if Adetta were to come to the front office and say I want him, then sign me up. I'm ball in. But at this point in time, and that's assuming all that happens. At this point in time, though, I am ball out. I do not think we could spend. Give me someone like Buyanga. Give me someone like uh, what's his face, the uh, Chacho, or what, what's his name from uh, Salt Lake, Chicho. Sorry, Chicho. Give me someone like that. Yeah. I don't need. I don't need a, a, a Chicharito. Sell a few jerseys, great, but we're looking to build off what we've done this year. 
So I'm going to be annoying with this one because it comes with so many stipulations. I am ball in if he doesn't cost as a DP uh, as a DP slot. I am ball out if he is a DP slot. I am ball in if he's under like six million. I am ball out if he's over six million because I don't think I want to see us spend like our Coco money and our Sebas Ferreira money and Ivan Franco money on a one guy who seems to consistently get injured and break down. Like he's been a injury prone since his Manchester United days. Now I'm ball in if we can get a healthy Chicharito and I might even be ball in if we can get him at a good deal and he has to take a DP slot. If, if he's healthy, like duh, who wouldn't want that? Because he does the one thing that we desperately need. He can score goals like crazy. And that is a big, imagine if we had that right now. So like, my definitive answer, if he takes something in terms of a DP slot or he costs a lot, ball out. That guy is not worth it to, in today's money. But if you can get him for – if you can buy him down and he just takes a lot of TAM or GAM or whatever the hell the expression is for, for what it costs for the salary cap, let's bring him in. But I've also been a big proponent when talking in our group chat and kind of hinting it on here and especially in spaces – I would rather sign legit MLS strikers that don't cost a ton of money. And, and you've alluded to it. Bringing in Chicho Arango would be amazing. Uh, I, I mean, I, this isn't the exact guy that I want, but like an Ethan Finley from, uh, who played on Austin and then former mini Minnesota United. Like guys like that, that it can know to score goals and know this league. And we don't have to really say like, oh, we'll give them time to develop and get used to the system. I, I would rather sign those guys. I know the sexy idea is to spend DP money on a striker. I just don't think you need to do that in the MLS to get a guy who scores a ton of goals. I would rather use like the DP slots on midfielders and wingers and hell. I mean, even so that Chinko's made me even think we might even be able to use it on, on center backs. I would rather not. I would really rather pack in the midfield and wingers for DP money than spend it on a guy who can just do what Corey Baird does and get 10 goals and, and that's good. I mean, if you look at Corey's stats and you got that from our DP striker this year, we would say that guy was worth the money. I just don't, when it comes to Chicharito, he's just too injury prone for me to trust him. If he's healthy, it really does change it. So as of right now, I'm ball out on it, but I'm with you. If Hector wants him, okay, I can buy into it. If he's healthy, I can buy into it. But if we overpay, then I, to me, it just signals that the front office just wants to sell tickets, sell jerseys, and drive up our season ticket price. I will say, to his credit, Galaxy, they're a mess right now. And he does Big. not – Chicharito is somebody that needs someone assisting him the ball. He's not going to yeah. create his own shot. So it could be beneficial to him. I don't think that's the player that Ben wants either. Um, yeah. But it could be beneficial playing with a Herrera, playing with uh, – I mean, let's assume Coco – Someone that can get in the ball because LA, I mean, they're kind of reminiscent of what we were before, you know, new look dynamo. So he has not had a ton of help. Um, but again, the injuries do play a part. You know, he, he reminds me a lot of speaking of strikers that people clam for. That's always hurt. Mauro Manotas. People <laughs> always want to bring him back home. The guy's always hurt. He's hurt again. If you had this chance between those two guys, I'm going Chicharito. I hate to say yeah. it because, I mean, Mauro was there when we needed somebody and he was putting in goals for us and he has that iconic goal against Portland. But Chicharito brings something that Mauro doesn't. That's jersey sales. That's name recognition. At least we get that out of him if you're going to go with an injury-prone guy. Ed is familiar with him. We have guys that know how to play with him. So 
if you want to harp on bringing back old players, I'd rather go Chicharito. But the whole point of the game, ball in, ball out. I am ball out on the idea of Chicharito. Give me someone younger. I'm okay with staying in the MLS. I'm okay going outside of the MLS. I just want a guy that can grow with this team, grow with this foundation that we've built um, for years to come. Yeah, I know like a lot of transfer news. I mean, even for the past like five seasons, the sexy thing has been as Robert Lewandowski. He's looking to leave and come to the MLS. And it's like, I, I, I don't think he, I don't think that's a realistic guy for us to land, to be honest with you. I see him probably going LA or New York or like Chicago markets before Chicago, he comes here. That's Chicago. Yeah. Like that, that's been the sexy one for him to go to. I think a sneaky pick that we could pick up is again, if we want to go old, old dynamo player christian ramirez he's got eight goals for columbus and he sits on their bench do i want him not necessarily but do i think it's a guy that would be a better plug and play over a chitarita like 100 percent. but i i think the big thing here is right now you and i i, I agreed we're ball out on him as of right now i loved the post because that really did get people talking and a lot of people were like washed or they're like no he's a locker room cancer and it's like yeah you can say that but with this team it would be tougher to be a cancer with this team because they're so well knit and like close and actually like each other that you're going to fit in before you fit out. And I, I think a guy like him, it might rejuvenate his career to actually be around guys like this in our locker room. So I, I'm not against it. I'm really not, but I'm, I'm here if it's the right price. I, I do not want to overpay for him because I just know that that's what the front office wants to do. Cause I, I feel like all they want to do is jack up our prices. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you made a point about that too. Like, do you think Columbus let's go of Artur if they knew what he was going to yeah. be playing like this season? Like there's gems out there. Sometimes guys just need to change the scenery. They just need just, you know, a lot goes on outside of the field that we don't know about. And so, um, our, I mean, Artur, prime example, like we gave the guy a chance down here and look, one of our better players, if not our best signing of the off season. So um, sometimes Escobar it could just well. be. Yeah, that's another one. Um, by the way, I don't. We didn't. We we didn't really talk about it. For me, it was between him or Sviatchenko for man of the match. Uh, the big baller of the match. Two. See for, for me, the big baller of the match. For me, my big baller yeah. was Thor, just because to come off in that moment and like not only was he wearing the big pants, but just I was so happy to see him drill that PK and the way he did it with such confidence and put it away that that fired me up. I was just like, all right, man, you you deserve your minutes. I think you put Aliu on the bench now. I, he became my big baller of the match for just the way he did. But you're right. I, I, I think Sachinko as well is also another good call because he, he was huge back there. He always is. He had that one. I don't know if I took a note. It was sometime in the second half where he just drove the ball from midfield. I don't know if you recall. And he just, he just out, um, he just outpassed uh, Quinones. Uh, but it would have been a nice breakaway had he gotten it to him. But uh, yeah, Sviatchenko showing some glimpses of magic <laughs> out there. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, that's how we'll wrap it up, folks. Saturday at the Shell. Be there. Be early. Be loud. Get drunk. Just yeah, do something, yeah. please. We be need rowdy. it. Be rowdy. We need the help. The guys need the help. Um, it's you know, it's frustrating that we're in this predicament. I wish we'd wrapped it up yesterday, but this is what makes the sport so fun. This could be a heartbreak or this could be one of the most memorable dynamo games that we've had in a very very long time so get out there and and support the guys in orange brandon do you have anything you had to uh say before we wrap things up no i'm with you on this like it does suck that we have to play this third game but to me 
where we've struggled with attendance, this can help in the sense that we can pack in another game. If we win it, it's going to be people more incentivized to come out for Sporting KC. And if we can keep this rolling, it just allows for momentum going into next season where a lot more people are excited to come out. So this starts with us being on Saturday. Don't let the weather deter you. Get out there, cheer on the guys, because there's a, this could be like a rolling type of wave here where if we can keep on winning, we can keep bringing people out, and we will completely change the culture of that stadium. Well, that's how we wrap things up for The Way We Ball podcast. I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. Thank you.